Praise the Lord, everybody, and welcome to the teaching class today. We're picking up again with our study on the book of Revelation, and I'll tell you, uh, just looking sometimes at the sheer magnitude of the book of Revelation, one can feel easily ill-equipped to uh, deal with this subject. And I've had to tell myself, and I've also told you, that uh, we're not taking this into the greatest depth by any means that we could take it. And I pray before every one of these sessions that the Lord will help me to not get off on uh, rabbit trails that are endless, you know, because there's so much here and there are so many angles that we could look at it. The interesting thing to me about Bible prophecy is this. There is one truth contained. And that one truth can be applied in many different ways. And so we would be here for four or five years just talking about every little nuance found in the book of Revelation. And of course you understand we cannot do that. One thing the Lord's instructed me to do as a, with a pastor's calling, with an evangelist's calling, and at times a teacher's calling, and a, a, a watchman with a prophetic edge is to preach on every subject in the Bible that we can possibly get to. And I'm, I mean, that in itself is also a daunting task, but uh, I feel that, uh, let of the Lord, that this was the time for us to do this book of Revelation. And who knows, in the future, uh, we may do it again, and we might try to focus on some other things that we don't touch on in this particular study. Uh, I do know that after uh, we are through with the book of Revelation, some few weeks from now, uh, we're going to teach on another Bible subject completely, whether it will be faith, whether it will be the Holy Spirit, whether it will be the message of the cross, whatever the Lord puts in our heart at that time. So we, we don't want to just give you Bible prophecy only. Uh, I'm not a specialist. I feel that God has called me to preach His book, and there's other things in there, but it all pertains to last day's living. And so that's kind of the focus for us in 2020, is living in these days. How do we live as Christians? And this is going to be coming up uh, shortly uh, here on the Old Time Power broadcast. And so I just appreciate all of you that take the time to listen to the podcast and to study along with us. A few months ago, it's actually been a little over a year ago when we started, uh, and we've had to start and teach a few chapters and then stop because we were preaching and teaching other things, and then preach a few more chapters and stop, etc. That's where we are today. It's been a little over a year, I suppose, since the Lord laid it on my heart to teach on uh, Bible prophecy. Bible prophecy is a must for every serious student of the Word of God. So is studying on the Holy Spirit. So is studying on daily Christian living. So is studying on the cross and faith and all of these things. And so we pray that as weeks and months go by, you will continue along with us as we journey through the Word of God together. Now we're back to reading the book of Revelation together. The Lord laid it on my heart to do that with my partners and my friends and the supporters of this ministry. And it's also available for everybody to listen to on Podbean and on iTunes. So, with no further delay, let's start in the 13th chapter with verses 1 through 6. Here's what the Bible says. Incidentally, I'm reading this particular uh, study from the King James Version of the Bible. I think it's a very accurate version. I personally like it the best. It's my favorite version. And for the year of 2020, I've kind of decided to preach primarily from the King James Version and the New King James Version, uh, just for clarity. And so if you have one of those versions when you listen in on this podcast, uh, you would be reading the same words I am on your page. And the King James, uh, the, I mean the New King James, is just very, very close to the King James Version. So I'm, I'm not using that because I believe that's the only one you should use or any of that stuff. I like those two versions, and that's primarily what I use. Okay, so we're reading in Revelation chapter 13, verses 1 through 6. And I stood upon the sand of the sea. Now this is John. John is seeing this vision. 
and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, and his seat, and great authority. And I saw one of the heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. So here we see here, the dragon is Satan, and the beast is the Antichrist, okay? I'll get back to that in a moment. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. That tells us that the Antichrist... The Antichrist comes on the scene in one way right after the rapture of the church. The first part of the seven-year tribulation period. But he's actually, uh, um, he is, Satan actually lives inside him and gives him this great power at the midway point of the great tribulation. And he's given power for 42 months. That's the last three and a half years of the seven. Now, during the first three and a half years, the Antichrist will try to gain control of the world by peace and by, by great promises. There will be all types of things that he will do to deceive the world into following him, and he will kill, and he will murder, and, and all of these things that we talked about back in uh, Revelation chapter 6 will take place. But during this last 42 months... You're going to the, he, the, you're, you're going to see the true colors of the Antichrist come out, and he's going to be, actually be supernaturally empowered by Satan. And so there's going to be false miracles. There's going to be uh, you know, there's there's places we'll get to it later on where you'll actually be able demon spirits will actually um, manifest themselves visibly to human beings upon the earth during the time of the last 42 months of the Great Tribulation. And that may, some of that might also occur in the first 42 months. But we're dealing now primarily at the midway point. This is the Antichrist. So let's finish reading our scripture. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. Okay? The beast rising up out of the sea must be treated as a symbol. And a number of things in our study will be pointed out concerning the beast, including the head that was wounded and healed in chapter 17 and following. Uh, we'll deal with all of that. The sea spoken of here, or the sea that John saw in the vision, represents, it's symbolic of people, different kinds of people, different nations, different tribes. And you can also reference Daniel chapter 7 verses 2 and 3 and Revelation 17 verse 1 and 17 verse 15. The beast has reference to the rise of a kingdom and this is particularly the rise of the Antichrist and he is the earthly head of this kingdom of Bible prophecy that will take place during the Great Tribulation. Also symbolized by the beast is a supernatural demon spirit coming out of the abyss. So beasts are sometimes used in scriptures as symbols for kingdoms and kings. Look at Daniel 2, verse 38 and verse 39. Daniel 7, verses 2 through 7, and also verse 17 and verse 23. Sometimes beasts are also uh, symbols that are used for controlling uh, supernatural powers that rule over kingdoms. So there's much interest in speculation as to the identity of the Antichrist. In the past, there's been a lot of infamous political leaders that we thought were the Antichrist. When I say we, I'm not talking about you and I. I'm talking about the world, and I'm talking about uh, in their time frame, people thought they were the Antichrist, such as Adolf Hitler, uh, you know, Joseph Stalin, uh, people have taken 666 and tried to tie that to somebody's name using a number system and all of this stuff. 
And it's all fruitless because the, the identity of the Antichrist will not be made, um, they will not be positive who he is, let's say it that way, until he personally makes a covenant with Israel for seven years. And you can read about that in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. So we cannot know in advance who the Antichrist will be. There are indications in the Bible, though, that it tells us the area from which he will come. Basically, and there's, there's a little more to it than what I'm going to share here with you today, but like I said, we have to just kind of touch the high points in this study. There's two visions that cover uh, Gentile world powers from Daniel's day to the second coming of Christ. And, and these are found in Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7. The image in Daniel chapter 2 verses 32, 35, 38 and more with the head of gold and the lion in Daniel chapter 7 verses 4, 12, and 17 symbolizes Babylon, which was Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom at that time. You can also look at Daniel chapter 2 verse 37, verse 38, Jeremiah chapter 15 verse 4, chapter 24 verse 9, uh, Jeremiah 25, 11, and 12, and also Jeremiah 29, 18. So the head of gold in Daniel's vision in chapter 2 and chapter 7 again. The head of gold is Babylon. <clears throat> Medo-Persia is symbolized by the breast and arms of silver on the image in Daniel 2.32, 35, and 39. And the bear of Daniel 7.5, 7.12, and 7.17. So there's the first two uh, kingdoms from Daniel's uh, vision. Babylon and Medo-Persia. And the old Grecian Empire of Alexander the Great followed the Medo-Persian kingdom in the time of the Gentiles, and he is symbolized in Daniel's prophecy by the belly and thighs of brass and the leopard. So in Daniel 2.39 and Daniel 7.6 and 12 and 17, Daniel 8.20-21 and Daniel 11.1-4. Now, I'm going to answer this question because I know somebody has it. By the, by the way, we're, I'm, I've decided to go with this. In Daniel chapter 2, he sees an image of gold. He sees arms of silver, all these uh, belly and thighs of brass and the feet, you know. Uh, but in Daniel 7, he sees those same kingdoms as wild beasts. Why is that? I personally believe that in Daniel chapter 2, we are, he is giving the vision of, of his prophecy as man, mankind, humans, see those empires. But in Daniel chapter 7, he's giving a picture of those same empires as God sees them. Man sees them as shiny and valuable and, you know, the gold and the silver and all of these... But God sees them as wild beasts that devour the earth. And so I wanted to put that out there for you. It's going to be helpful as we go along. So the old Roman Empire follows the Grecian Empire and its four divisions. It's symbolized by the legs of iron on the image. Daniel chapter 2, 33-35 and verse 40. And it's the nondescript beast, Daniel 7, 7. 718, 719 through 27, and it continues the persecution of Israel. So you see, Israel has been persecuted all through their history because God put his hand on those people. And I want to tell you something. In our churches today, in our world today, where God is moving, where God is moving by his Holy Spirit in power and might, those individuals, those churches, those ministries, whatever, will be persecuted because they contain God's truth. Israel was a picture of God preserving a people who would represent His truth. The church has been grafted into Israel, and we serve basically the same function, but we we don't have, of course, the land promises that God gave to Israel for the land covenants. But we are part of those who stand for truth. We stand for the cross. We stand for what is right. And God is moving in the hearts and lives of 
people in the church. And I, when I say in the church, I don't mean in the building. I mean those who are born again, okay? So there, we could talk about the persecution of Israel. Sometime I'm going to do an entire series on Israel, and we'll get to that at that time. So you have the four beasts uh, in Daniel and the four parts of this gigantic statue uh, that he saw in a vision. You have Babylon, Medo-Persia, the old Grecian Empire, and the old Roman Empire. There will be ten kings who will head ten separate governments from ten separate capitals inside of the land area of the old Roman Empire in the days of the second coming of Christ. Now, they're symbolized in Daniel's vision by the feet and toes, and then they are also the ten horns on Daniel's nondescript beast. And you can look at Daniel chapter 2, uh, verses 31 through 44, Daniel 7, 23 through 25, Revelation 12, 3, 13, 1 through 4, which we just read, 17, uh, verses 8 through 17 in the book of Revelation. These ten kingdoms will be a sort of revised I didn't say revived, a revised Roman Empire, and they're going to be formed inside the territories of the old Roman Empire. But here is what you uh, have to remember about that. And I want to bring this out a little bit slower, perhaps. Um, the old Roman Empire's land area is not necessarily limited to the Europe of today. So when we look at a, a, at a world map and we see Europe you know, we see one thing. But in the old Roman Empire, I mean, that was a huge landmass going down into northern Africa, all through the Mediterranean, all through the Middle East. And in a little bit here, we're going to tell you where we believe Daniel tells us that the Antichrist will come from. But the, the land areas are, are not named the same things today, necessarily, that they were in ancient times. Some of them are, some of them are not. For example, uh, today we hear about in the news constantly Iran. Iran was ancient Persia, but it was not the extent of the Persian Empire. The Medo-Persian Empire included parts of Turkey, uh, it included parts of Syria, uh, etc. and so forth. So while the land was divided differently back in the days of the prophets, that's the land you have to go by when you interpret this last day's prophet because they, the, the uh, prophecies because they would have been familiar with what they were they were describing what they saw in the jargon of their day, and so when 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 we hear the Roman Empire we have to think of Greece we have to think of uh, Syria and Iraq and Iran and all that and even if they didn't directly rule over it. Many people mistakenly believe that the Antichrist will come from a European country. Now that's my belief, okay? I believe the Bible tells us where he will come from. It doesn't tell us who he is, and it doesn't tell us when he will get here. But we'll get to that in a minute. There's going to be ten kingdoms instead of one empire, and it will not be the revived Roman Empire as some teach. Daniel saw, in, this, in Daniel chapter 7, a little horn growing out of the ten horns. Um, this horn plucked up three of the ten, read Daniel chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. The kingdoms from Daniel's day are, we'll say it again, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and the old Roman Empire. It's stated in Daniel chapter 7, verse 23 and 24, that the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall rise. Four of these ten kings will be committed to the Antichrist, and the other six will also agree, through war, through battle, whatever, to give their power to this little horn. So Daniel identifies the little horn as the Antichrist in Daniel chapter 7. This little horn rises up after the ten kingdoms are already in existence. Daniel chapter 7, verse 8, Revelation 17, verses 9 through 11. And this is all yet future. Okay? In the vision in Daniel 8, and I'm, I'm kind of referring to Daniel because you really have to when you study the Antichrist, and perhaps shortly 
uh, in some months from now, I will do it verse by verse teaching of Daniel as well. But in Daniel 8, we see a symbolic ram and a he-goat. The ram is Medo-Persia, and the he-goat is symbolizing the Grecian Empire. The he-goat has his horns broken off, and in its place grew four horns. Okay? This relates to the death of Alexander the Great, who founded the old Grecian Empire. And then four horns took the place. That represents the fact that after Alexander the Great's death, four men divided the kingdom among themselves. So now we're at Greece, and this is where it starts to get very interesting as we study where the Antichrist will most likely come from if we're reading Daniel correctly. Any study of ancient history will reveal the division of Greece after Alexander the Great died. <clears throat> Each one of his four generals took and ruled one particular area. And I'm going to do my best to pronounce these names, so just bear with me. Well, somebody told me one time, you know how to pronounce names in the Bible that you can't pronounce. Just say them fast. Okay, so if you say them fast, you know, people won't. <laughs> I don't know, but here we go. Okay, so Cassander took Greece and Macedon. Lysimachus got Asia Minor, which is present-day Turkey and Thrace. Seleucius ruled Syria and Babylonia, and Ptolemy took Egypt. These four divisions are today's Greece, Turkey, Syria, and Egypt. The Antichrist, the little horn of Daniel, will come out of one of these four horns. The purpose of Daniel 7 and 8, chapter 7 and chapter 8, the book of Daniel, is to narrow the geographical boundaries of the coming of the Antichrist. And according to Daniel 8, he will come from either Greece, Turkey, Syria, or Egypt, and not from some other place in the world. Now, let's stop right there and say this is one of those areas that if we're reading it correctly, let me, let me put it another way. How many of you that are listening to me right now remember the year 2000? and Y2K. And you had prophecy camps were split right down the middle pretty much. You had some people believing that Y2K was going to be tremendously disastrous. Other people were believing that nothing was going to happen. I stayed in the middle. I didn't know. I just preach. Here's what I preach every year. <laughs> every year. I've preached it every year for almost 40 years now. Be ready at any time. Because we don't know the day or the hour. Amen. It's fun to study these things. And I, I love studying prophecy. And I have tons of material from different authors and speakers. And I study it about 25% of the time. I study Bible prophecy. It's, it's fascinating. And it's wonderful. And God blesses us when we study and we read the book of Revelation. But here's the thing. Live right today. I don't know if Jesus is coming before this program is over or if he's coming tomorrow or next week next month next year i don't know when he's coming but i know i want to be ready when he does amen and I, I believe that you do too i believe you want to be ready when the lord comes so let's learn in the word of god how to put away sin and let's learn the type of worship that god accepts hallelujah and let's be a, a living testimony to the glory of christ every single day and we will be ready when he comes. Now this particular uh, segment, not everyone in prophecy agrees on this point. Many do. Many very reputable, and I say teachers of prophecy, because I'm not necessarily known for teaching prophecy. I'm not a specialist. I try to preach what God gives me. I research. I put the message together, and I put it out there, what God tells me to do. I don't just preach on one thing. So, but there are many people who are what you might consider prophecy experts. I would say the majority of them believe this. Uh, there are some people who believe the Antichrist is going to come from the United States. There are others who believe he could come from the Vatican or whatever the case might be. Italy, Germany. I don't know. But here's the, the train of thought that I believe is right, is that the Antichrist will come from one 
of the little horns that came up as a division of Alexander the Great's kingdom. Daniel 11 gives us a vision of wars between two of these four concerned areas of the Grecian Empire. And one of them is Syria and the other is Egypt. Okay, so I believe by Daniel getting the vision of this war, he's narrowing it down to two. The Antichrist will most likely, in my opinion, come from Syria or Egypt. And the wars that Daniel foresaw covered approximately 150 years and ended with the rule of one named Antochius or Antochius Epiphanes. This guy was a type, a biblical type of the Antichrist. He ruled uh, about 165 BC. Reference then in, in the book of Daniel jumps from the, the modern time that Daniel was looking at. He jumps and sees a vision of the end times. And in the end times, he's picturing another war between Syria and Egypt. Syria is called the king of the north in Daniel's vision, and Egypt is called the king of the south. And you can read Daniel chapter 11, verses 36 through 45, and you can also just read that entire book of Daniel to catch up with our study at this point in the book of Revelation. According to that prophecy in Daniel, he identifies the Antichrist as the king of the north. And we always have thought, I got saved in 1981, and ever since I got saved, you know, we've always identified the king of the north as Russia. But here, it's actually referring to north of the glorious land, which is Israel, and it would be talking directly about Syria. The king of the north, the little horn, again refer back to Daniel chapter 7 and chapter 8, the prince that shall come, another name for the Antichrist, Daniel 9, 26, 27, the son of perdition, the man of sin, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, and the beast of Revelation 13, all refer to the same person, the Antichrist. So now... Let's take another little parenthetical break, and I will tell you this. The Antichrist, there's many prophecies in the Bible, and incidentally, I am going to do a separate message just on the Antichrist. I don't know when exactly yet, but soon. And so maybe on our third week message, we'll put that in, in, in a place. Uh, what we are doing right now is we're airing two weeks in a row of the book of Revelation, and then on the third week, we're airing a message on another topic. Okay? But here's, here's this thing about the Antichrist. He is a man. A literal man. Okay? But, as we'll see when we get to other verses of Scripture here in a little bit, the Antichrist is also a spirit. And the Apostle John said that the spirit of the of Antichrist is already at work in the world. And that was back in the time of the early church. So for all of this time, over 2,000 years, the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit, not the man, but the spirit of Antichrist has been active in the earth trying to draw people away from Jesus Christ. And so we'll look at that and that's going to play a, a, a heavy uh, role when we come to the identity of Mystery Babylon. The harlot that rides the beast. False religion. It's a, it's a satanic antichrist effort to get people to worship the antichrist as God and how it's played out all through history here while we... While, while history and time awaits the arrival of the Antichrist, Satan's effort is to get you and me to worship something else other than Jesus Christ. Whether it's self, whether it's a job, a career, whether it's a rock and roll idol, whether it's a movie actor or actress or whatever the case might be, somebody that you put higher in importance than God. And the Antichrist spirit is very active in that. The, the Antichrist will eventually come, we believe, from Syria. Uh, 
these names, King of the North, Little Horn, Prince that shall come, Son of Perdition, Man of Sin, Beast, all refer to the Antichrist. He won't necessarily become prominent in world affairs until after the formation of the Ten Kingdoms. He will arise, he'll attain the whole Ten Kingdoms during the first half of the Great Tribulation. And he will be recognized by anybody who's saved at the time as the beast of Revelation 13 by the middle of the week. And of course we refer to Daniel's 70th week. And I'm not going to take the time to go into that. We may teach on that in the coming days. But Daniel had a vision of 70 weeks. And 69 of them have come and gone. Messiah has been cut off. And the clock is stopped. And the last week is the Great Tribulation period. Seven years. It's a, they are weeks of years. Seven years. The final week. Daniel's 70th week. So for terminology's sake, that's what we're talking about. The Antichrist, by the middle of the week, the middle of Daniel's 70th week, he will come out of seclusion and he will rise to power quickly. You can read Daniel 7, verse 7, verse 8, and also Daniel 7, verses 19 through 24. The Antichrist will first reign in Babylon. And during part of the last three and one half years, he will be in Jerusalem in the glorious holy mountain, according to Daniel chapter 11, verse 45. And this is where the abomination of desolation will take place. Daniel 9.27, Daniel 12, 7, 13, uh, 7 through 13, Matthew chapter 24, verses 15 through 22, Revelation uh, chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, and Revelation uh, 13, verses 12 through 18, which we're getting to in a moment. Each of the ten kingdoms will have its own capital, and it will have its own king until this point, midway through the Great Tribulation period. And then they will establish one central throne for this new empire. Okay, you, are you following me? It will be a newly formed area. The ten kings will continue to rule in this kingdom, but their rule will be under the Antichrist. And we'll look at that in Revelation chapter 17 later on. The Antichrist is a real person. He'll have outstanding natural gifts. He'll be very charismatic. He'll attract interest. He'll attract response. He will not be the devil incarnate, exactly, but he will be possessed of the devil, and he will be the executive of Satan's power on the earth. His power will come from Satan, which is the spirit of hell, the spirit of the abyss. Satan and his agents will give their power to the beast and inspire him in his evil designs upon planet earth. And you can read Daniel chapter 8, verse 24. Notice how often Daniel is coming up in reference to Revelation. And that's why it's, it's the, the two books really go together. And so we need to do a study on Daniel. 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 8-12, through 12, and Revelation 13-12. The ten kings will also give their power and their support to the beast, or to the Antichrist. Normally, rulers don't give up their power. But during the last half of the Great Tribulation period, these ten kings are going to give their power to the beast. And there could be many reasons why they would do so. For one thing, we read in Revelation 6, the, war is, or the world is going to be filled with war. It's going to be filled with famine and pestilence and disease. There's going to be food shortages. There's going to be natural disasters unparalleled in human history. And so they throw their lot in together with this guy who comes along promising them a bright future and promising that he has the answers to fix the problems of humanity. That's the Antichrist for you. He's going to come in at first in a bit of a peaceful mode, as we've said earlier, and we've said many times through this series. <clears throat> but his, his motives and his designs are completely evil and demon-possessed. The, actually, these ten kingdoms, <clears throat> the, the, they could be, rather than ten countries, they could be ten areas of the world, geographic regions. We just don't know yet. Okay, but we do understand what the king of the north is. Remember, that is Syria. King of the south is Egypt. 
Satan is going to give the Antichrist what he offered Jesus in the fourth chapter of Matthew. Satan told Jesus that if he would fall down and worship him, man, he'd give him all the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus turned him down. You know, he's, you aren't going to tempt the Lord thy God, but the Antichrist will accept it. And then he will fight to possess it. The Antichrist will pursue his world conquest by conquering the old territories of the prophetic empires of the past. Babylon, Media, Persia, Egypt, Greece, Rome, etc. and so forth. And by the middle of the tribulation, he will pretty much have these areas conquered. And he'll conquer also many northern and eastern countries of Asia and Europe during this last half of the tribulation period. Other nations of, of the world, maybe even America, will cooperate with him. Possibly London will become an ally. Possibly America. Possibly Canada and others that we would call Western civilization. Some of them will align with the Antichrist in the last day. And that brings us to Revelation 13 verse 7. Here's what it says. 7 through 10. Let's read. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And so we're talking about here the Antichrist making war on the saints of God. Now that doesn't mean the church will be here as we know the church. But there will be tribulation saints. And I want to stop just a moment and throw this thought at you uh, today. The question is constantly brought up. <clears throat> uh, I mean, I, I, I ran into it just like at least 15 times recently where people have said, well, if I don't get saved now and the rapture happens, can I get saved? I wouldn't bet on the fact that you would even want to, to be honest with you. But yet we do see that there are saints during the Great Tribulation. So who are they? I do believe a lot of sincerely backslidden people, backslidden preachers also, will get saved during the Great Tribulation period. I believe they'll miss the rapture and they'll be given an opportunity to receive Christ again. They will turn from their wickedness and their sin and they will come to Christ for real. They won't be playing church anymore because when you get saved during the Great Tribulation, you will probably get your head chopped off. According to the Word of God, uh, I I can't I cannot say that there that if you're not saved right now you won't be able to get saved during the tribulation. I really can't say that biblically necessarily, but I can say that there are some people that God will give them over to a reprobate mind. Read Romans chapter one. There are others that. Well, they do not love the truth in Thessalonians it says and so God has given them over to a depraved mind because they believe the lie and they will be damned so here's my point uh, I would receive Jesus right now if you have you know if you if the Holy Spirit is dealing with you and speaking to you and and nudging at your heart and calling you I would give my heart to Jesus Christ right now. I would not have the attitude, well, I'll just go ahead and live in sin now, and then after the rapture, I'll give my heart to Christ and everything will be all right. Because the, you may not be able to. You may be abandoned to a reprobate mind. You might believe the lie, the big lie of Satan, which is what this Antichrist will be espousing, and you'll be damned. So today is the day of salvation.
the Bible tells us in Hebrews. What will be the extent of the Antichrist rule? Uh, it depends on the usage of the word all. If it means all in the most inclusive sense, uh, then it would involve every individual in the world. And it, but the word is in the Greek skenektigy in chapter 13, uh, where it says, all, power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. That word is skenektigy. And what it means is where a part is put in for a whole, or a whole for a part. And so, here's two possibilities. And then I'm going to leave this, because it's a little bit controversial, and we just don't always know. Um, it is possible the Antichrist will not conquer every single nation on the earth. If that is the case... The fact that he conquered the ones that he does conquer, if Schenectady or all, is be, if it means like everyone that he does conquer. For example, if I say to you, who was at church Sunday? You would say, well, everyone was there. You don't mean, you know, six billion people that are on planet Earth came to your church on Sunday. What do you mean? You mean everybody who was supposed to be at church was there. That is schenectogies. That, that's the word all in this phrase in the Greek. But the, the rule of Antichrist over the nations that he does conquer will affect the whole world greatly. And the biggest way that it will is that there will be some nations, maybe not conquered, that will just cooperate with the beast. He doesn't have to conquer them because they're cooperating with him. See, so that's where the word gets a little tricky there. And it either means that, or if the, if the word all were a different Greek word, then it means that he would actually do battle with every single nation in the world. I personally don't believe he'll have to. Uh, I, I personally believe that schenectogy, which is the word that's used, means a part for a whole or a whole for a part. So what, what that tells me is that every nation that it's prophesied in the Bible that the Antichrist will conquer, he will conquer. Other nations of the world, not specifically mentioned, may or may not align themselves with the beast. We do know from the reading of the rest of Revelation, we're going to read it together shortly, we do know that there will be nations of the world that will come against the Antichrist. So he defeats them, until that final battle, the battle of Armageddon, where he goes against Israel and Jerusalem with everything he's got. And the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ comes back and defeats the Antichrist. Glory be to God and the Lamb forever. So let's get back to our study here and kind of leave that thought there. It's something for you to think about, something for you to look at. I'm not sure we're going to get through this entire 13th uh, chapter today, but we are going to try. So the beast had seven heads and ten horns, and upon the ten horns were crowns. And that involves the ten kings. The number is very specific there. Or it could be ten kings over ten geographical areas. Not Maybe not necessarily nations, but it could be geographical areas. If so, that could cover the whole of the world. And the Antichrist could actually be ruling over every single person in the world. That is a possibility. So in Daniel chapter 11, verses 40 through 45, we see that when the Antichrist comes to power and he breaks the seven-year covenant with the Jews of Daniel 9.27, he enters Israel in the middle of the seven years, and he is given power over the ten kingdoms. Those ten kingdoms will include Greece, Italy, Israel, Egypt, Syria, plus others. The Antichrist will actually come from Syria, I believe. Uh, he, could be a Muslim, he might be a Muslim. I personally have studied a lot on the rise of the Islamic beast, and there's a lot of strong points made for that argument that the Antichrist could be a Muslim. He could be of the religion of Islam. He could also be of another religion that converted to Islam. 
We just don't know at this point, but we have narrowed it down with the prophet Daniel's help to the area of the world that he will be from. He will make, a, he will make war and he'll make a decree that all must worship him. The Bible says that many countries, Daniel 9.41, shall be overthrown. It doesn't say that all countries shall be overthrown. Edom and Moab, the chief of the tribe of Ammon, will escape the Antichrist, the Bible tells us. And they border right next to this kingdom. So it is conceivable that other countries across the vast oceans and those inhabiting the islands of the sea and other parts of the world will escape him, at least to some degree. To some degree. It appears evident from Scripture that the primary uh, location for these events will be the Mediterranean. The Antichrist, though, he will conquer many countries. The Bible says in Daniel 11, chap, uh, chapter 11, verse 44 and 45, that tidings out of the east and the north will trouble him, and so he will go forth with fury to destroy and to stand against those who are opposing him. Zechariah, in his book, teaches that many people, even many within the empire of the Antichrist, as well as those outside of it, will not take the mark of the beast and still will not be killed because we have people going into the millennial reign in their natural bodies and we'll get to that later on Zechariah speaks of a battle between the Jews of Jerusalem and many nations under the Antichrist in Zechariah chapter 14 verses 1 through 5 he goes on to state that it will come to pass that everyone that is left notice the comment that is left of all the nations that come against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So we see there that even during that great tribulation, not everyone will be worshiping the Antichrist. Many, 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 many people will, but not everyone. God has a remnant. Hallelujah to the Lamb. God has a people. Glory be to God. Egypt is going to be taken over by the Antichrist, according to Daniel 11, 40-45, but there will be many in that nation that will not take the mark of the beast and will not be killed. The Bible plainly says that everybody that takes the mark of the beast is going to be damned and go to hell. It's very plain. You can't say, well, I'm just going to take this mark and fool the Antichrist but I'll still be able to buy and sell. In my heart, I'll worship Jesus. That is, that is not possible, friend. That is not possible. Everybody, the scripture says, everybody who takes the mark of the beast will be damned and go to hell. But there will be those in Egypt who are alive and having escaped death will go into the millennium. This will be true of a lot of other nations as well. But the Antichrist will formulate a law <clears throat> that all in his ten kingdoms must take a mark and worship him or be killed. And so during the time of the Great Tribulation, there are going to be those who refuse the mark of the beast for whatever reason. And I believe the reason is the 144,000 that we talked about earlier in our study. Jewish evangelists that are covering planet earth preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. And people will be getting saved during the tribulation, and they will, they will refuse to take the mark. And I would think that most other people who might resist the mark at first will eventually, if they're not resisting it for the reason of Jesus Christ, eventually they will be deceived, they will believe the lie, and they will be damned, and they will take the mark. So I believe the primary persecution. There are secondary persecutions during the tribulation. Anybody who opposes the Antichrist in any way will be persecuted. But the primary reason for persecution and the primary people persecuted are Christians. Okay. The Bible teaches that there are some sheep nations that will go into the millennium under, the, under Christ. And we could go on and on in that, but we will go ahead and read now the book of Revelation, chapter 13, verses 11. 
through 18. And I will try to get all this in today. Again, we're just outlining this. We're reading the verses together and touching on some high points. Hopefully we've given you enough scripture reference today <clears throat> that you can leave this place and you can go do a study uh, from the book of Daniel, the book of Zechariah, etc. and so forth. And at the end of our time, I will try to give you, uh, make mention of some great material that will aid you in your study. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. That's pretty interesting. And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed, and he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven onto the earth in the sight of men. See, he's, this second one is imitating the prophet Elijah. You see that? Satan always tries to imitate God. And you know, my wife works at a bank. And so when it comes to counterfeit money, she'll tell you that you don't have to study the counterfeit to know that it's counterfeit. You just have to know the real, the genuine, and you will be able to spot counterfeit. And that's the same thing here. You don't have to spend all your time studying Satan. You don't have to spend all of your time studying the Antichrist. First of all, if you're a Christian now and you're born again right now, you won't even know who the Antichrist is unless they tell everybody in heaven because that's where you'll be at the rapture of the church. Praise God. So, you know, just know the genuine. Know Jesus. Know what God is like. Amen. Know the real. Study the Word of God. Love God with all your heart. Okay? and but Because this guy's going to just copy... The devil has nothing of his own. Remember that. He's just going to copy what he's seen God do. And, and let's go on with our reading. And deceiveth him that dwell on the earth by means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had the power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. Now that's the mark of the beast. And that no man might buy or sell save that he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So uh, here's something that's kind of shocking. When you really read this, 666 may not be the mark of the beast. That might be the number of his name. Read it right there. Revelation, 11, uh, Revelation 13, 11 through 18. No man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. So what does or mean? It seems to be saying here that you have to have one of the three. So 666 could be the number of his name. The mark could be what we don't know. A mark that he devises, or he writes his name, or he numbers 666. Here's wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, three score, and six, or six, six, six. Now the second beast here coming out of the earth, this is the first time he's mentioned here in the Bible, and it's given here in Revelation. He is called the false prophet, and it's from the Greek word pseudoprophetus. This is found in Revelation 16.13, Revelation 19.20, Revelation 20, verse 10. He is a false prophet and a prophet of the Antichrist. He is seen with the beast and the dragon in Revelation 16.13, sending forth demon spirits to gather all the nations to Armageddon. He's the first beast in Revelation chapter 19, verse 
20. And he's seen as a miracle working co-laborer with the first beast as he comes against Christ at Armageddon. And there are so many things that I'd like to say right there. Um, this, this spirit of the false prophet. There will be a literal false prophet, but it all falls up under the spirit of Antichrist. And it is so active in the church today, it would blow your mind. False religion. False beliefs within the Christian faith even. And so it's very, very important that you know the Word. You and I have to study the Word of God and know the Word of God. And very importantly, we have to obey the Word of God. We can only do that with the power of the Holy Spirit. So we, we constantly need to seek that power of the Holy Spirit every day to help us be obedient. That we might not get caught up in something that is false. And one of the materials that I want to encourage you to listen to or watch, whichever you prefer, uh, Pastor Jack Hibbs is in the midst of a series right now, and I, I hope he'll leave it up. I don't know, uh, it, you know, when, by the time you hear this teaching, it might be over. I don't know, but it's called something like Eyes On, Ears On, where he's talking about spotting false prophets. It's very good, I, and I've listened to all of them so far. So you could look for that and perhaps you'd be able to find the video on YouTube or whatever. But it's very important that we stand against deception in the day that we're living in. Because deception is here and it's only going to get worse. So let's try to get through this 13th chapter. We're going to run a little bit over time today. And <coughs> I thank you for your patience. Once again, we're just throwing this out. There's so much here. There's so many directions we could go, and I encourage you to listen and keep listening in the weeks to come as we not only finish up the book of Revelation, but start dealing with some of these issues on their own as a topical study. Whereas here we are going verse by verse. Uh, there are several things that we need to observe concerning the ministry, quote unquote, of the false prophet in this portion of scripture that we just read. He comes on the scene after John's vision of the Antichrist. He's called another beast. The Greek word for another is alos, or A-L-L-O-S. And it means another of the same kind. Okay? He's the second beast of this chapter. And he's not the same as the one in the previous part of this chapter who was the Antichrist. These are two different beasts, two different individuals that work together. You have the Antichrist and the false prophet. The, this beast is seen as coming up out of the earth. And the, the Greek word for earth is the same as world. And here it represents the peoples on the earth. Similar to what Daniel saw in chapter 7 and verse 3 of his prophecy. But there the word sea symbolized people. The two beasts personify two men. They will be normal, natural men born on earth and rising to power, but they will be indwelt, listen carefully, literally indwelt and empowered by Satan at some point during this tribulation time. Satan will take them over. And of course, for that to happen, they have to allow that. Uh, and they want it. They actually something they want because they're power hungry. They're greedy. Somebody asked the question, does the Antichrist know uh, what role he is fulfilling in Bible prophecy? I would assume so at some point in time that he, that he would realize that. But the Bible is silent on that. So, at least as far as I know. <clears throat> in the third place, the second beast has the appearance of a lamb. In other words, he will appear to be a wonderful prophet, a religious man fit for office. He will perform some miracles and he'll deceive millions of people. He has two horns and he speaks as a dragon or a serpent. He's symbolized by a lamb, but also a dragon and a serpent. And the things that he says, the things that he teaches will send people to hell. The fourth thing noticed about him is that he will exercise the power of and cause the earth to worship the first beast whose deadly wound will be healed. 
This beast will be an executive of the Antichrist and he will exercise Satan's power that is given to the first beast. And you can read that in Revelation 13 verses 2 through 4 and 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 8 through 12. So let's look. Uh, the duration of his power. What is the duration of the Antichrist and the false prophet's power? It is, the, it is confined to the great tribulation period. And the false prophet is not mentioned apart from the Antichrist. They will work in close union. And they, they will ultimately stand against the two witnesses. Revelation 13 and 13 is our fifth notation. It, it declares that the false prophet and the Antichrist both will do great wonders and the false prophet will make fire come down from heaven in the sight of men. The word for wonders here is from the Greek word simeon and it means signs. These signs and miracles, in other words, will be for the sole purpose of deceiving people into accepting the Antichrist as God. Sixthly, he will instruct people on earth to make an image of the first beast, an image of the Antichrist. And these orders will be carried out. The image will be set up in the temple of God to be worshipped. Matthew 24, 15. Remember I told you earlier that Antiochus or Antiochus Epiphanes was a type of the Antichrist. The reason was is because when he conquered the temple of God in Jerusalem, he slaughtered a pig on the altar. That was a type of the Antichrist erecting a statue of himself and demanding in the very temple of God in Jerusalem that he be worshipped as God. So this image will be built. Special powers will be given to this image of the beast. Revelation 13, verse 14 and 15. And those who do not worship it will be killed. In the seventh place, the second beast will make people receive a mark in their right hands or in their foreheads in order to buy or sell. A great multitude will be martyred as a result of this decree. And again, I think the, the chief aim of persecution during the Great Tribulation will be against Christians. There will be great devotion and worship to the first beast and to his image. The worship could be both political and religious. It will be of such nature that it is completely apostate and doom will be decreed on all who partake. And you can read Revelation chapter 14, verses 9 through 11, which we will get to next time in our study. <clears throat> all faith in God and in Christ must be denied. This is the Antichrist decree. And the adherents will become total servants of the devil. They will be controlled by demon spirits, to the point of no redemption. Now there you have it. It is dangerous to play games with God. It's dangerous to say, I'll wait and I'll live the way I want to now, but later I, I'll get saved. You may not be able to. There will be people saved during the Great Tribulation, and many of them will be hearing the Gospel for the very first time. As we told you some programs back, there's 144,000 Jewish evangelists going throughout planet Earth preaching the gospel during the tribulation. Also, there will be angels flying through heaven preaching the gospel to the people on earth during the great tribulation. And so I would not put off receiving Christ as your Savior today because you may not have another opportunity uh, after the rapture. There are three identifying features or brands that can be used by followers of the Antichrist. First of all, there is a mark, commonly called the mark of the beast. This is different from the name or the number of his name. We've already talked about that. It's not re revealed uh, what the mark will be, but it will be a literal mark in the flesh. And it could be the emblem of the kingdom of the Antichrist. Or the name... Uh, the name of the first beast that we talked about here is the Antichrist. It's not found in Scripture, so we have no explanation for what that name is at this point. Uh, in the third feature is the number of the name, and this is the number of a man. The number is 666. 
And so the, these three things could be the characteristic that he implements to know you if he were to see you that you worship him and uh, or his uh, associates you know people will check do you have the mark do you have the number of the name do you have the name are you part of this evil kingdom and we do not know what that's going to be until after the rapture of the church and praise be to God the Christian won't be here. So I encourage you today as we close, I encourage you to receive Christ today. Don't put it off because God loves you so very, very much and He wants you to be saved. He wants you to give your heart to Him. He doesn't want you to have to come up against the Antichrist. That will be the worst time that planet Earth has ever known. And so I encourage you to make your heart right with God today. There's only one way to do that, and that is through Jesus Christ, by you accepting Him and receiving Him into your heart. And then the Bible says that God seals you as well. God puts a mark on you. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You belong to Jesus. And so, I'd rather have God's mark than the beast mark any day. Amen? Hallelujah. Just sort of like I'd rather be sitting here teaching the book of Revelation than be in any jail in the state of Michigan. Amen? I mean, we, we want to serve Jesus, and I hope that that is your heart and your desire as well. So next time, we will pick up <clears throat> with Revelation chapter 14. And I want to tell you this uh, before we go. I'm going to mention some names again uh, that you can study Uh on your own, you can do a study of the book of Daniel. I don't have too many uh, uh, names for that particular book, but I do know that Jack Van Impey had a book out uh, on the book of Daniel verse by verse. And if we teach that particular topic, we will most likely use his uh, book as a jumping off spot, and then we'll take it in the directions that the Holy Spirit leads. But basically, anything by Perry Stone, by... Uh, Pastor Jack Hibbs has some great prophecy stuff also. Greg Laurie and, and uh, David Jeremiah. Um, Amir Safardi, uh, he's another one that we like real well. Uh, there are many, many out there that are notable and reputable. Don't listen to people who have these wild sensationalism and that's the main thing of their ministry because the Word of God is not to be used in sensationalism and God doesn't give us prophecy prophecy to us to scare us he gives it to us to prepare us and so you want uh, reputable material Dave Reagan is another one um, Mark Hitchcock is very good uh, I could go on and on but do a study uh, on your own under reputable teachers and go deeper with this great book of Revelation. As I said, we are here to read the book together. My partners and my friends and my supporters of the ministry and anybody can listen in. And we're here to just kind of touch the highlights for you. I pray today's been a blessing to you. It has been to me. And until the next time that you and I can gather around the Word of God, this is Brother Paxton saying, Go with God and He will go with you. Bless you now.